0: What up, folks? What's going on? Welcome to the Spun Today podcast, the podcast that is anchored in writing but unlimited in scope. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz, and I appreciate you listening. This is episode 141 of the podcast. And in this episode, I share my November 2019 writing stats, a writing tip that I picked up along the way. I tell you about what I've been reading, I share a Spunt Today questionnaire submitted by fellow writer Francis Leger. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Francis Leggett or Leger, spelled L E G G E T T. And finally, I read and reflect on one of my free writing pieces, which can be found here at spuntoday.com forward slash free writing forward slash BAM. Stick around, this episode is going to be a good one, chock full of goodies. But first, A way that you can help support the show. Alrighty. My writing stats for November are absolute dog shit. And I'm very disappointed in myself for the writing output that came out of yours truly during the month of November. I did go away for a long Thanksgiving weekend for about four or five days with the family. But that's not even an excuse because one, it's only four or five days. And I could have still written over there and obviously chose not to. My writing output, the number of days that I wrote during the month of November are a whopping, or whatever the opposite of whopping is, a dismal, despicable nine out of the 30 days of the month. Those are the amount of days that I actually wrote. So that's 30% of the days of November. Definitely a much higher output is going to be the goal in this month in December and you know subsequent months thereafter. Of course sharing my writing stats with you fine folks is going to help keep me trending in the right direction hopefully and at the very least keeping me honest. As always when I share these stats I recommend that you guys that are pursuing writing or Whatever craft it is that you're into, try to physically account for the time that you're actually putting into it. Because I know at least for me and, and for other creatives that I, I've spoken with, it becomes a whimsical, arbitrary thing that you, as being someone that's in their own head all the time, you know, think that you're putting energy towards, but you're not really, at least not in a practical sense. And you might psych yourself out and think that you're doing more than you actually are. So physically writing down or accounting for your actual output is a good way to monitor your progress and, and, you know, find patterns on, you know, every Saturday I I don't write, but I notice that every Tuesday and Thursday I do, you know, what, what's going on in my life on Tuesdays and Thursdays, that's not on Saturdays and how can I try to move things around if possible, you know what I mean? So physically writing it down like on a calendar. I used to use a desk calendar and just literally put a check mark or or X mark. Check for days that I wrote, X for days that I didn't. And then at the end of the month, I just tally everything up and type it into a quick, simple Excel sheet on the computer. So this way I just don't have that one month in front of me. And then, you know, when I throw away that desk calendar or that sheet of it, you know, it's out of sight, out of mind. This way, when I transfer it to the Excel sheet, it's I have like a historical record of it. And I can see, you know, November 2019 versus November 2018 versus, you know, October of 2019, et cetera, et cetera. But having the physical calendar in front of you also counts as a reminder. So it's like a, a two-pronged thing approach. Now, instead of the desk calendar, I've switched in the past four months or so to a habit-forming notebook that, that I like uh, by James Clear that I've spoken about in the past on on this show. It works in a very similar way. has a calendar, has a grid of days, and, you know, just check marks and X marks. That's what I use. But, yeah, shitty writing month. Let's see if I do a better job next month. The writing tip that I have for you folks is from one of my faves, from K.M. Wyland, which is a source of a lot of good advice that I share with you fine folks. And as always, I will link to the blog post where this one tip is coming from. And I recommend that you guys check it out because there are a bunch of other tips within this specific post, as well as, obviously, all her other postings. But I'm going to share with you one piece of advice that resonated with me, and that I try to stay cognizant of when writing my own stories. The title of the post, which she posted on December 9th, 2019, is Critique. 10 Ways to Write a Better First Chapter Using Specific Word Choices. Of the 10 ways, I'm pulling out the very first one, which made a lot of sense to me. And it reads, hook readers with a specific question. First, you got to land the right hook. There are many ways to do this some flashier than others, but the common factor in all hooks is that they pique readers' curiosity. In essence, a hook is a question, either explicit or implicit. A hook is an indication that something is or shortly will be off-kilter in the story. Something doesn't quite make sense. There's a mystery afoot. Even before readers meet the protagonist and make that all-important bond of empathy, They can be hooked with the promise that something is amiss. Then she goes on to give the uh, specific example from another piece of writing. She says, Donna does this seamlessly with her opening line promising a, quote, bad thing will happen. This is not an uncommon approach, but the technique is subtly strengthened here by opening not with, quote, a bad thing happened, but with, quote, before the bad thing happened. It's a little different from what we normally see. It allows the story background to be sketched in, giving us characters to care about before we get to the punchline. And it immediately raises dramatic tension. And I thought that was a great tip. To me, I read something like that and I think, okay, now, aside from my usual approach of, you know, just wanting to write story that has some sort of moral play to it or or lesson learned that I'm trying to share, I better also make sure, it would behoove me to make sure, that the way I'm writing it will, to the best of my abilities, pique the reader's interest. Is the way I wrote the sentence the best way I can construct what I'm trying to say in order to hook the reader's attention enough so that he can or she can even get get to or want to get to or be entertained enough to get to or interested enough to get to the moral of my story and even little subtle changes like that in the example that she used clearly make a big difference because to me it did the first one sounded kind of lacking kind of empty kind of cliche quote a bad thing happened versus the approach of quote before the bad thing happened dot 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 because at that point, I'm like, oh, shit, what's the bad thing? Oh, and how are things before it happened? How are things after it happened? I got to keep reading to find out. But yeah, that's the writing tip I wanted to share with you folks. And again, it's from the blog of KM Wyland, And I link to it, as always, in the episode notes. Alrighty, what I've been reading. It's actually been a minute since I've shared my reading list or my what I've been reading. Because I usually do so within these, specifically these uh, free writing session episodes of the podcast, which I haven't done in a while because I put out uh, an audiobook of a short story that I wrote recently, an interview with a friend of mine who's in the military, a veteran of, of the military, and a couple of random rant episodes, et cetera, et cetera. So the books that I've read have built up or rather the audiobooks that I've listened to. So I have more than my usual one to share with you. Uh, I'm going to share my take, my feedback, my tidbits on three different books. The first of which is The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. The second one is How Children Succeed by Paul Tuff. And the third one is Dominicana by Angie Cruz. All of which I will link to in the episode notes of this podcast in case you want to check the books out for yourself so first up is the four hour the four hour work week by tim Ferriss. for those of you that don't know tim ferris is an author obviously and also is the host of the tim Ferriss show which is one of the biggest podcasts on the net and i listen to it frequently he has a tagline for the podcast, which is, I'm going to paraphrase, but it's something along the lines of he deconstructs high-performing people or he deconstructs the habits of high-performing people so that we the listeners and, and himself can try to recreate it or, and or reproduce their successes by applying some of their tactics. It's a really great podcast. He's had people like World Chess Champion... And world Jiu Jitsu Champion, Josh Waitskin, writers like Neil Gaiman, Arnold Schwarzenegger, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Check it out if you guys haven't already. And he's also behind a very popular newsletter called the Five Bullet Friday newsletter, which is what my newsletter, the Midday Monday Boost Letter, is loosely modeled after. So check that out as well. Anyway, the Four Hour Work Week is a New York Times bestseller. It's Tim's first book, which was turned down by many, many publishers when he initially came up with the idea. And the summary of the book is that it is a step-by-step blueprint to free yourself from the shackles of a corporate job, create a business to fund the lifestyle of your dreams, and live life like a millionaire without actually having to be one. Uh, Tim did a lot of these things himself. He, you know, prior to like uh, having a podcast that blew up and and writing, he started a company called uh, Brain Quicken, which was a a supplement company that was successful for him. He has since become a an investor in Silicon Valley, and he's invested in the early stages of companies like Twitter, Facebook, Uber. Has obviously been successful in that space. And I have a bunch of like little notes and and clips that I bookmarked. From the audiobook that I want to share with you guys, and I just like the, or one thing that I like is, for example, how he shares the story about going to Argentina for a few months. You know, finding a place to stay at that was relatively inexpensive, and Argentina versus the U.S. and how he had uh, his money coming in from from, I believe, at that point was the supplement company that he started or maybe it was before and he was just going off of some savings that he had i'm not sure i have the the timeline kind of like screwy in my head right now but the point was that you know he was earning or had earned in dollars and they went a longer way in a place like argentina those dollars did and he was able to stay in a nice area that was you know fairly inexpensive versus, uh, what he was paying back home in an apartment, which by the way, he put all his stuff in storage, if I remember correctly and let go of the apartment. So he no longer had that like rental income to have to worry about. And when he moved back, you know, he would just find another apartment get his stuff out of storage and move in there. And then in Argentina, he would, I believe like he found like an English class to teach for like, two hours on the Saturday or something like that. And that funded that to, that paid like his rent for the week. Like the money he got from that was enough for his rent. So the other money that he had in savings was kind of like his spending money. And then he would eat at the school or something like that. And it's things that I wouldn't necessarily do. Obviously, you know, I'm married to have a kid, but what I like is that hearing stories like that kind of like open up your mind to the vast, possibilities of ways to live that are out there. You know, it's not just the 9 to 5 grind, the waking up 2 to 3 hours before you your body physically wants to, to deal with the weather and commute an hour plus to a place that you don't necessarily want to be at, to do a job that you don't necessarily love, to commute back home for another hour plus, to spend less time than you would otherwise want to with your family to wake up the next day and do it again and do things like that to take care of your responsibilities five days a week, sometimes six days a week for some people, sometimes seven days a week for some people for 30, 40, 50 years of your life. So hearing stories like this, innovative, creative ways, entrepreneurial ways to navigate through life is interesting to me. It definitely it definitely plants seeds. And what's really good about it, this book, is that it is very practical, like he literally there's like full sections of just him citing references sounds like a fuck like somebody you know it it's boring to listen to, especially when it's you know things that you know you know aren't gonna apply to to you or your life or there aren't necessarily things that they you're not interested in, but there are stuff within that that I was interested in, and that I'm sure you know would vary from person to person, but it's just like. When booking a flight, check on a Tuesday versus any other day of the week and use the website www. blah blah, 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 blah. And then he would give a website or two or three websites to like compare for the manufacturing of, let's say, something that you developed or created or something you want to have made. Then he gives a list of websites and a list of phone numbers and like go to places to like get you started in the direction of that thing there's a lot of that throughout the book. And I wrote down some things that just caught my attention, like uh, a provisional patent is less than $200. He had a tactic of ways to ask for remote work days. And he gives you like a sample dialogue of how your manager might react to, to something. And then he gives you like rebuttals for each of those like reactions. And the goal here is obviously to, you know, be able to avoid having to go through that commute. On a daily basis and you know work from home or you know even if you're on vacation or something like that, and he points out little tricks to show like show more productivity on the days that you do work from home, which for somebody that does by the way have the opportunity with my current job to to work from home sometimes, it's definitely a plus it's definitely a, a plus in several respects and getting to sleep a little bit more, spending more time with my family you know, because I don't have to deal with the the commuting, just not having to deal with the commuting, not having to deal with, you know, dressing up in office attire, me personally being, you know, more relaxed and am able to get more done in the comfort of my own home, you know, listening to podcasts or music or whatever energizes me to, to help get me through the day, et cetera. You know, it's definitely, definitely a plus. So imagine somebody that takes that opportunity and, you know, flies to Florida on a cheap flight that they found on a Wednesday because they're going to work on Thursday and Friday remotely and, you know, be there that much earlier and enjoy the nights in Florida and then the weekend as opposed to having to physically work somewhere and then you can only fly out Friday after work and then you have the full day Saturday and fly back on Sunday type of thing. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. Uh, What else? I wrote down something that resonated, which was, quote, doing something unimportant well does not make it important. And requiring a lot of time does not make a task important. This is a cool term that he uses called uh, TMI, which does not stand for too much information. It stands for target monthly income. I was about to connect my phone to the mixer here so that I can play the actual clip for you guys. But I have an iPhone and you know how they did away with the like 3.5 millimeter, whatever you call it, the little, uh, Headphone jack thing, and now it's just the like the lightning cable wire or whatever. So thank you Apple. I can't do that. So what I'm gonna do is just play it on speaker and hold it up to the microphone and hopefully it doesn't sound like too distorted and shitty for you guys when you're listening to it. But here's an example of target monthly income and him explaining how to in a practical way how to literally take a spreadsheet write down your four goals, how much each of those four goals cost and work backwards to calculate your target monthly income. And then this way, you know how much you're going to need to achieve these goals. And then, you know, it goes on to like other stages on how to work on obviously generating that income and being realistic with the goals, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's a whole other point, but I want you guys to get a feel for the book. So here,
1: Bangkok, Delhi or Bombay, London, Frankfurt, Los Angeles, for $1,399. For some of these costs, the tools and tricks at the end of Chapter 14 will help. Last, calculate your target monthly income, TMI, for realizing these dream lines. This is how to do it. First, total each of the columns, A, B, and C, counting only the four selected dreams. Some of these column totals could be zero, which is fine.
0: And here's another clip that I saved.
1: ...relationship developed from there. Tools and tricks. Confirming sufficient market size. Writer's market. www.writersmarket.com Here you'll find a listing of thousands of specialty and niche magazines, including circulation and subscription numbers. I prefer the print version. Standard rate and data services. www.srds.com Check out this resource for annual listings of magazine and company customer mailing lists available for rent.
0: And then this is one of my favorite takeaways from the book, which is not an uncommon story. I've heard a version of this story in the past, but definitely thought it was worth sharing. And it definitely depicts these two different perspectives on life and how to live it.
1: Fables and Fortune Hunters An American businessman took a vacation to a small coastal Mexican village on doctor's orders. Unable to sleep after an urgent phone call from the office the first morning, he walked out to the pier to clear his head. A small boat with just one fisherman had docked, and inside the boat were several large yellowfin tuna. The American complimented the Mexican on the quality of his fish. How long did it take you to catch them? the American asked. Only a little while, the Mexican replied in surprisingly good English. Why don't you stay out longer and catch more fish, the American then asked. I have enough to support my family and give a few to friends, the Mexican said as he unloaded them into a basket. But what do you do with the rest of your time? The Mexican looked up and smiled. I sleep late, fish a little, play with my children, take a siesta with my wife, Julia, and stroll into the village each evening where I sip wine and play guitar with my amigos. I have a full and busy life, senor. The American laughed and stood tall. Sir, I'm a Harvard MBA and can help you. You should spend more time fishing and with the proceeds buy a bigger boat. In no time you could buy several boats with the increased haul. Eventually you would have a fleet of fishing boats. He continued... Instead of selling your catch to a middleman, you would sell directly to the consumers, eventually opening your own cannery. You would control the product, processing, and distribution. You would need to leave this small coastal fishing village, of course, and move to Mexico City, then to Los Angeles, and eventually New York City, where you could run your expanding enterprise with proper management. The Mexican fisherman asked, But, senor, how long will all this take? To which the American replied, Fifteen, twenty years. Twenty-five tops. But what then, senor? The American laughed and said, That's the best part. When the time is right, you would announce an IPO and sell your company's stock to the public and become very rich. You would make millions. Millions, senor? Then what? Then you would retire and move to a small coastal fishing village where you would sleep late, fish a little, play with your kids, take a siesta with your wife, and stroll to the village in the evenings where you could sip wine and play your guitar with your amigos.
0: I thought that was a dope dope story. And he goes on there to speak about a a friend of his that is in a fairly similar situation and being stuck in his own little corporate rat race. But yeah, that is the four-hour work week by tim Ferriss, and i recommend it very much and i will link to it in the episode notes next up is how children succeed by paul tuff this book i can't recommend this highly and i don't want to say that it's bad it just wasn't for me i didn't get like as many takeaways from this book as i thought i would and that's not to say that other folks won't but you know me being a, a new parent I have a one-year-old, who's about uh, 15 months now. You know, I and, and my wife and, you know, going through her pregnancy and having a newborn and, you know, being our first time, were very much the type that we're like reading and looking up things online every step of the way and asking her doctors all the questions we had, writing them down, reviewing them, doing the same now with my son's pediatrician. You know, when she was pregnant, I looked up, like, the best combination for a uh, a smoothie for a fetus. And it was, like, one recipe for the first trimester, another one for the second trimester. And that would give both the mom and baby, like, the, the highest levels of certain micronutrients that were essential for the baby's development. And I would, like, prep them and make them for my wife, like, religiously. So I say all that to say that I don't feel that I got... Much out of this book. That I didn't know already. And if I guess if you haven't. And also you know having. uh So many other existing parents. Around me. Like my brother and my cousins. And friends that have kids. have all you know. Gone through this stuff uh before me. And like all their advice. And having that type of uh support system. Was fucking great you know. So it's not to say that you wouldn't get anything from this book. I just feel that. A lot of what was in it was shit that I had either heard or read or or knew about already. I will say that it is also dense. Uh, I feel like there were a lot of different studies referenced uh, throughout the book. And it was much, or it was heavy rather, on the educational side of things. So it's like how children succeed in the educational front. And he mentions a a case study where there was a set of what were called KIPP schools, K-I-P-P schools that had uh, seven character strengths that they would cascade down to their students. Like data later on revealed, I believe that there were five skills and uh, leadership principles founded by Nelson that yielded better long-term results when emphasized. And those were resourcefulness resilience, ambition, professionalism, and integrity. So that was one takeaway. Another takeaway was that children children that start school before kindergarten, whether it be a, a pre-K or 3K or some sort of like a daycare setting and exposure to that type of environment before going into kindergarten, excel at a higher pace throughout their educational career than kids that go straight into kindergarten from home to kindergarten. Then there was, uh, the biggest thing that stood out to me that I definitely tried to implement or have been implementing with, with my son is they reference how the more words, uh, a child hears the better. I don't have the exact numbers, uh, from the, or the study that they cited, uh, in front of me right now, but just to give you guys a paraphrase example, it would be something to the effect of children that grow up to have lower paying jobs were often from like poor inner city neighborhoods that had limited resources, didn't have books at home, were exposed to 10,000 words by the time they graduated high school, for example, and I don't remember if high school was the cutoff or if it was junior high or elementary school, but uh, versus children that wound up growing up to having uh, higher paying jobs came from more affluent households that had books in the home and were exposed to upwards of 30,000 words in their development by the time they reached high school or Again, whatever the cutoff was, whether it's junior high or elementary school. So the amount of words that your children are exposed to is definitely clutch. With my son, for example, I read to him almost every single night. He listens to audiobooks and podcasts all the time with me because that's all I listen to in the car. (laughs) So whenever he's in the car with me, that's what he gets to hear. So hopefully that's uh, sprinkling some additional words into his subconscious there. And yeah, that's uh, pretty much all I got on that one. That is How Children Succeed by Paul Tuff. And if you're interested, I will link to it in the episode notes. And last but not least, the last book that I finished reading was Dominicana by Angie Cruz. Now, Angie Cruz popped up in my feed or the book Dominicana popped up in my feed via, I think it was on Instagram or maybe it was Twitter. Hashtag Dominican Twitter. What up? Um... And I don't remember exactly by who, but I started seeing and hearing about it more and more. There was, like, a buzz around the book. So I knew the book was written by a Dominican writer, so right away piqued my interest. I'm biased. What can I say? I'm Dominican. The title being Dominicana was, was obviously cool. The book cover was, like, simple but captivating. And, again, I kept hearing, like, good things, good reviews, good buzz around it. So... I decided to check out, you know, what's this book about. I'll share with you folks the summary of it. Angie Cruz's Dominicana tells the story of a 15-year-old forced to marry an older man to help her family. 15-year-old Ana Cancion doesn't want to marry Juan Ruiz, a man twice her age, who promises to take her from the Dominican Republic to New York. And then I found out that it's based on a true story. It's a story of uh, her mother, Migrating from the Dominican Republic to New York, and all the trials and tribulations that she went through in doing so. That definitely sold it to me right there. It's one of it's definitely one of my writing goals, as I've shared with uh, you folks in the past. But if you didn't know, uh, definitely a writing goal of mine is to write a story about my father's life, coming from Dominican Republic to to New York, and uh, some of his experiences and although you know I, I have ideas for that book already that that i've i've started putting down it's a book that i i'm not ready to write yet and i don't want to write yet until until i've sharpened my sword a bit more so, so to speak so i sharpen my skills until i improve my writing enough so that it's worthy enough of writing that story so i've um made the like mental commitment to make it my fourth or maybe fifth book. Definitely after the the uh fractal uh trilogy, second book being worked on as we speak. Book one available on Amazon or go to com forward slash books, forward slash fractal. And third book TBD. <laughs> um but yeah so it'll be the fourth or maybe the fifth because I do want to maybe write a standalone novel after the, uh, uh, fractal trilogy, but we'll see. We'll still, we'll still, uh, uh, a ways away from that. But yeah, I heard the story and I was like, of course I have to read this. It was so engaging. The book was so good. My wife listened to a lot of it with me and she loved it also. And what did it for me aside from the dominican of it that I can obviously like, uh, like relate to was Angie's, descriptive ability i saw what she described i felt what she emoted and it really was a very interesting story her mother as a description said and again this is loosely based on her mother's life so it's not like an autobiography but it's largely based on her mother's life uh, she was not pretty much an arranged marriage which is, is common in especially back in the day in dr uh the way it worked was her family lived in the campo, and more affluent folks that lived like in in the cities would go to the campos to look for like these good sheltered girls to to marry and you know pretty much make their their wives to you know cook and clean and bear children, which was like the trade off for them and then for the family that was in the campo you know the the positive on their end was. You know, being able to move on up from from the campos to like cities and maybe even travel to New York, like was the case with 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 her mom. And her mom was 15 years old. She was married off to this guy that had a restaurant in the city in the city of Santo Domingo, and he traveled to New York, and worked in New York, and then traveled back home and took money back home and was working on building his restaurant and she had a pushy mother that you know wanted the betterment of the family but in doing so pretty much like sold her daughter off to to this guy to try to achieve that goal and the guy promised to like purchase some of their their family's land there in the campo and to build something on it i don't know if it was like a restaurant or just to help develop the land and make them some money and the mother knew that with the daughter going to new york you know the Quote, unquote, land of opportunity. Uh, she could find like a job or and, you know, be able to send money back home, like many other folks that left DR and came to the States uh, did for their families. And it chronicles her life in coming to New York and dealing with the language barrier and ambitions of wanting to go to school, wanting to get a professional career, not just be a housewife dealing with an abusive husband that she didn't want to be with in the first place, but is with for the sake of her family and pretty much how she's forced to grow up and become a woman in a very pressured kind of, you have no other choice type of way. She goes through some shit while she's here too. like her spoiler alert, by the way, like her brother dying, one of her brothers dying in DR while she's here. And, you know, not being able to be there for that, uh, the husband lent a friend, well, not a friend an acquaintance money, um, and held her wedding ring as collateral. And she was coming by every week and paying it off slowly. And at the end of paying everything off, you know, she would get her ring back, obviously her, her wedding, wedding ring. And in that time, her coming over, she like befri- befriended, anna which is Angie's mom in the story and um you know she could like completely confided in her and then she wound up giving her like a stop story like when she had like half the payments left to to pay and she wound up giving her the ring back but you know she promised she would come back the next week and the week after that or the week after that and actually pay finish paying but you know she she got g'd and that was like a hard lesson for her to to take and but a necessary one about not trusting motherfuckers in the streets but yeah she eventually comes into her own and um it's a dope book man i definitely recommend it i couldn't recommend it enough check it out it's called dominicana by angie cruz and i will link to it in the episode notes currently what i'm reading right now is jay-z by michael eric dyson but i am not done with it so i will save it for the next one Next up is the Spun Today Questionnaire submitted by Francis Leger. He is a published poet and professional wrestler of 18 years, now an author of middle-grade horror books enjoyed by readers of all ages, with one title published and three more on their way. The Night Terrors series is about to explode into a compendium of scares. That's from Francis's website which you can visit at com, or by going to nightterrors.co.uk. Francis, thank you very much for taking the time to respond to the Spun Today questionnaire. Let's jump right into it. Question number one is relating to your craft, do you remember the first thing you ever wrote or created? If so, what was it? And Francis responded, the first things I ever wrote were a bunch of poems as a kid. I don't remember much about them, but they were probably not good. I then wrote a poem about dementia when I was working in care, and that one was published. This all led to me creating my own little world of horror in my books, known as Night Terrors. Francis, thank you very much for that. I would be very interested, and I'm gonna hit you up again on on Twitter, and ask you to send over a link to this poem uh, about dementia, like i 've mentioned uh, before in the podcast, my father has dementia, being that you worked in that space uh, as you mentioned when working in some sort of care, and I would imagine exposed to folks with dementia would be um, i 'd be definitely uh interested in in reading that poem and uh, seeing your perspective there and i 'll definitely you know tweet it out if if there is a link available online so other folks can can read it as well. Question number two is what inspires you to write or create? And Francis responded, everything around me can end up as an inspiration. I can see a parent interact with a child and use it as a personality quirk for one of my characters. I can hear two old ladies talking about their day and my mind will reenact it with a creative twist. I have a weird brain and I am influenced by everything. And I'm sure, Francis, that's something that definitely resonates with me and I'm sure with other listeners as well. I feel as if I have a weird brain also and, you know, go off on tangents and see people on the subway or in the street and make up a whole story in my mind of where this person is coming from or how that person is, what type of person they are, all of which I I agree is definitely like fodder for the worlds that we eventually build in our stories and the characters within them. Now I definitely find interesting the piece where you say that you can see a parent interact with a child and use it as a personality quirk for one of your characters. And I wonder if it's a direct thing that you have applied and described and attributed to a character. And if so, that's a pretty interesting concept. Maybe it's something that I'll consider doing myself in my stories. I know for me, like being perceptive and very hyper aware of my surroundings and the the people that I'm around, I definitely pick up on their quirks and, and things like that. And again, they're they're all things that I feel inform my characters and and the world building process of writing. But I never thought to directly apply like a quirk or a movement or a saying or something like that of someone into a character. But it definitely sounds like a like an interesting thing to play with. All right, question number three is what is a hobby that you have that is unrelated to your craft? And this was interesting as hell. <laughs> Francis responds, I'm a pro wrestler and have been for 18 years my body is starting to let me down now though so it's on to less painful things i go and that's so cool i have like a ton of questions just related to that um i'm assuming based on your site that you're out of out of uh, the uk and i know for example wwe which when i was growing up was wwf was like a or is a big thing in the states and i'm assuming like worldwide but is it like that type of pro wrestling, and if so, is there like a like a big like u k league? I know there are a bunch of you know it's not like w w e is like the only show in town. it's just like the biggest like you know most known, but I know there's like tons of like regional outfits that that exist as well that's like so cool that's like a cool unorthodox like job to have if that's like your your main source of income or just like a source of income that's like really cool i can definitely understand the whole body starting to go on you type of thing you know those 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 guys you guys i i just like super athletic and put your bodies through through hell like people like to like say oh you know like pro wrestling is fake and you know it's not real me myself i'm like not that into it i, I definitely was growing up though and I'm more into like uh, MMA and like the UFC and boxing and stuff like that. But the but there's nothing fake about one the athleticism that pro wrestlers have to have, and just the ruthless pain and suffering that they put their bodies through. And you know when you slam in, into a floor like that's real. When you're jumping and flying through the air, you know that landing on someone else and absorbing. It takes a toll on your joints and your bones and your muscles and discs. So definitely hats off to you for, for being able to do that for 18 years. Question number four, how do you get yourself to sit down and do your work when you're not motivated to? And Francis responded, sometimes I don't. Thank you very much for that honesty, by the way. Sometimes I don't. I try to use different techniques such as sprints, though. I also remind myself that any amount of work is better than none and I couldn't agree more. Something is better than nothing. Um, It's obviously best and ideal to be disciplined and put in, you know, 1,500 words a day, every single day, day in and day out, but realistically, that doesn't tend to work out day in and day out. Shoot, I shared with you guys in in the beginning of this episode my writing stats for the month of November, which were a dismal 30% of the days in the month. You know, sometimes life gets in the way, and you know, it's definitely not to discount like laziness and lack of discipline, which I'm sure we could all definitely use more of, but using different techniques, like you mentioned, uh, writing sprints is definitely a way to combat that. And for me, for example, another technique would be the writing down and sharing of my writing stats, which now I feel like uh have a fire lit under my ass saying, you know, I can't repeat such a dismal performance. For the month of December, I have to go back to where my writing levels were for October and September and August, etc. And finally, question five of the Spun Today questionnaire Do you have any advice for other writers, creators, whether they're new, seasoned, or otherwise? And Francis responded Don't believe everything Google tells you. I spent years being disheartened by the negative blogs and articles on there. They all tell you that you'll never be published or find an agent. Most will say that it takes years of rejection and that your first manuscript will be too poor to be accepted. I wrote my first manuscript and three days later was signing a contract with a traditional publisher. Just keep writing. And Francis, that's absolutely great. That's awesome. And although I know there are true stories where, you know, it takes years for folks to quote unquote make it as a writer which in and of itself is a a subjective thing, right? Everybody has different writing goals. Making it as a writer might be, you know, just publishing one novel or becoming a New York Times bestseller or becoming an Amazon bestseller or being able to completely sustain yourself on your writing alone and not have a, a second job or becoming a billionaire like J.K. Rowling and creating a a story that becomes a world, that becomes an entity that will outlive you. You know, everybody's going to have their own version of what it takes to quote unquote make it. So I think it's important to one, establish what that goal is. And two, just like there's folks that may take and have to go through years of rejection. There are folks like Francis, as he just mentioned, his first manuscript was picked up by a traditional publisher within three days. And then there's all the folks in between. But the biggest takeaway from that that I get, which I feel is absolutely true, is that in each and every one of those cases and scenarios, the truest way to get to whatever your outcome is going to be is to just keep writing. Francis, thank you very much for taking the time in filling out the Spun Today questionnaire. Folks, you can check out Francis's website at Francis Leger. That's F R A n c i s l e g g e t t dot bookmark dot com where you can see his books uh like he has available now the first first book in the night terrors uh series that he referenced banshee in the basement and soon to come out a night at panic farm you can also follow francis on twitter at francis underscore leger which I will also link to in the episode notes of this episode. If any other fellow writers would like to, fellow writers or creatives, it's not just limited to writers, would like to submit your answers for the five questions of the Spun Today questionnaire, please go to spuntoday.com forward slash questionnaire. And last but not least, I am going to share... I'm going to read and reflect on one of my free writing pieces, which can be found at sponsor.com forward slash free writing forward slash bam. I'm actually going to be reading this one straight out of my notebook. For those of you that haven't listened to one of these episodes, um, what free writing is, or at least my version of it is literally just putting pen to paper and seeing what comes out. And you can do so just by doing that. And it, it helps you helps at least me formulate thoughts and flesh out ideas and sometimes I like free writing based on a specific quote or from a book or a movie or a song that resonates with me and just like made me feel something and I want to explore like what that something is and this is one of those and I have it written in my notebook and I haven't technically transcribed it to my website yet Um, but I'm going to by the time you guys listen to this and it'll be at the location that I just mentioned. But until I do that, I'm going to physically be reading it from my notebook. And this is from one of my favorite songs from Jay-Z's 444 album titled Bam. And it's featuring Damian Marley. And the quote is, quote, My advice is just don't be too nice to niggas. Just set the price so niggas will live your life, my nigga. And here's what I wrote based on that quote. Up until I just looked up the lyrics to this song, I should do that more often. I thought the second half of the bar was just set the price on niggas and live your life, my nigga. I can't help but wonder if the meaning's the same. My interpretation and internalization of what I thought the bar was is a powerful one, an empowering one. One that instills freedom. I'm a pleaser. Most of the time, for most of my life, I did things other wanted to do. I went along with things. I followed. Almost as if I was putting off my life, my wants, my goals to some arbitrary later date, to my next life, maybe. It was frustrating. Made me disappointed in myself. This bar brings into focus, in a succinctly eloquent way, that only Jay Z can, that sometimes you just can't keep pleasing, following. Sometimes you have to say, fuck it. This is what it is. This is how things are going to be when it comes to me. That's the quote price of dealing with me. These are my goals. This is what I'm shooting for. I'll of course help you out along the way if I can, but I won't allow you to derail me. Not anymore. It's time for me to live. And I wrote that on Thursday, December 5th, 2019 at 6:26 AM. And to me, I know I wrote this not too long ago. It's like less than a week ago. It's not like some of my other free writing pieces that I look back on, you know, a year or two or three and reflect on. So this one's a little fresher in my mind from where I was coming from with it. But what just stood out to me right now in, in rereading and, and and sharing it is the perspective at which this can be taken or interpreted. This type of approach can be applied to folks in your life. That might be steering you one direction when you're trying to go a different direction. Bad influences in your life, you know, hanging out with the wrong crowd, stuff like that. Or just folks that just have different interests than than yours and you're spending your time sharing and trying to help them achieve their interests when you're like kind of putting yours on the back burner. And I think to some extent we all do this at like different stages in our lives, whether it be in personal relationships, familial relationships, or even uh, work relationships, like technically if you have a job, you're working for someone else, you're working towards and for that person's thing. You know, whether it's a big conglomerate corporation or a small like mom and pop shop, the role of an employee is to enhance and, and better the situation for that entity, not necessarily for yourself, or rather in spite of yourself. So it could be this approach external in that way, but it could definitely be internal, which is what I just got from it in, in, you know, sharing it now. Resistance, which is an ongoing theme of this podcast, and I reference all the time Stephen Pressfield's book, The War of Art, that takes a deep dive into what resistance is, is definitely one of the internal versions of that this uh, uh, piece can be taken, or your own ego, for example, like this line here towards the end can be applied to that where I say, I'll of course help you out along the way if I can, but I won't allow you to derail me. Not anymore. That sentiment can be applied to the negative naysayings of your own ego that attempts to deter you from and derail you from even attempting to achieve your goals. Uh, What else, what else? And it's it's definitely super interesting and and funny that this entire time since the 444 album came out, that was one of my favorite songs, probably my favorite song on the album, and definitely my favorite line within that song. And the lyric wasn't even what I thought it was. But I still do think it means the same thing. And if it doesn't, well, art is subjective, right? I still got this from it. And yeah that's pretty much it folks that is all I have for you in episode 141 of the podcast thank you very much for listening Francis Leger I hope I'm saying your name correctly thank you again for filling out the Sponsor questionnaire I welcome each and every one of you creatives out there to do the same go to sponsor.com forward slash questionnaire and I will share your responses tips and advice with the fellow listeners of the Sponsor podcast now stick around for a bit listen to some tunes in the background I'll probably drop in bam so you guys can rock out to it a little bit and then listen to some other ways you can help support the sponsor podcast if you so choose peace now greetings to the world Tenement, yeah, no. Good boy. Don't live in watch it, watch you watch it. much, so, 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 so. I want chat chat fuck watch. all this pretty Them Sean Carter shit, nigga. ho Sean was on that gospel shit. I was on the total fucking opposite. Shit. Stuff a million dollars in a sock drawer. That's a ball chest in case you need your chest knocked off. Y'all be talking crazy under the IG pictures. So when you get the hell, you tell them Blanco sent you. I can't take no dress, I got a set of twins. so many i never seen a runner with so many cars once upon time in the hey folks Tony here and I hope you're enjoying the show as much as I enjoy putting it together for you if you'd like to support I'd really appreciate it and we'll give you a one-stop shop of sorts on how to do so. If you can make your way over to spuntoday.com forward slash support, you'll find a bunch of different ways where you can do just that. There you'll find an Amazon banner similar to the other banners found throughout my website that you can click on and will take you to Amazon where you can do your shopping like you normally do. This will not cost you anything extra and Amazon will pay me a Percentage just for driving traffic to their website. It's a great way to help support the show financially without actually having to come out of pocket. At sponsoreday.com forward slash support, you'll also find links to my Patreon and Ko fi pages. Patreon and Ko fi are two similar websites where you can set up reoccurring donations for the show. If you want to donate a dollar per month, a dollar per episode, $100 $100 per episode, whatever you like. You can check out either one of those two services there. There's actually also a Patreon video that's kind of like a little tutorial explanation video of how Patreon actually works. Also at spuntoday.com forward slash support, you'll find a direct donation button where you, you can donate by way of PayPal. You'll find a link to Apple Music which works similar to the Amazon banner. You can click on it. It'll take you to Apple's website where you can do your purchasing like you normally do. And again, it does not cost you anything extra, but I will get paid a percentage just for driving traffic to their website. And you'll also find links to the Spun Today viral style store. This is where you can get Spun Today related merch. And you'll find things like these cool premium t-shirts that have uh, writing related things on them that I put together myself I'm definitely not a clothing designer by any stretch of the imagination but I put together things that I wanted to see and and, uh, wear myself a couple of my favorites are the one that says writing is life and another one that says write Need every day and it has like a puff of smoke looking design right behind uh, those words you'll also find a sponsored coffee mug and a really cool color changing mug that's related to my debut novel fractal it's completely black and when it gets hot when you put in coffee or tea it starts changing to white and it also exposes the cover art for my novel fractal it's pretty dope so definitely check all that stuff out, which again, you can find by going to spuntoday.com forward slash support. And of course, do not forget to follow me on all of your social media at today on Twitter, at today on Instagram. Subscribe to the today YouTube channel where you can find clips and excerpts from the podcast along with other cool content. Like the Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash Spun Today. Also, don't forget to check out all the free shit that I have on my website as well. Go to SpunToday.com forward slash free writing, And there you're going to find dozens and dozens and dozens of free writing pieces that you can check out for motivation and inspiration and just some general food for thought. You can check out some of my photography at SpunToday.com forward slash photography. Feel free to take any of those pictures and use them as you wish. I set it up so that you can like copy and download the photos. And my short stories are available at spuntoday.com forward slash short stories. And last but certainly not least, my pride and joy corner. spuntoday.com forward slash books. Here you will find my published books, which you find, folks, can find links to purchase them on amazon whether you want hard copies or digital uh, kindle copies that's the spot for you thank you very much for being a spun today listener and as always substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams thanks for listening